1: E-S-N-Y Welcome everyone back to another episode of the Hoops Anonymous podcast, an elite sports NY production, second pod in a week. We are two days away from the NBA draft, and my next guest um, is probably looking forward to the end of the draft. Maybe he can take a nap, uh, maybe take a vacay as well um, or two. Uh, we know everything is very hectic and busy. Um, talking about a couple of different prospects tonight, but I'm very honored um and and grateful to be talking with uh, Derek Murray who is senior NBA draft writer at basketballnews.com Derek what's going on thank you so much for coming on the podcast
0: yeah absolutely I appreciate you having me uh and you're exactly right I could use a nap uh leading up to the draft you know these two weeks have been pretty wild even when players shut down their workouts you know whether they're just done in the process or have a promise you know that's still when the media kind of really ramps up and uh, things just kind of take off. So it's really busy right now, but Thursday night, we're so close. We just got to power through at this point.
1: Yeah, and I, I, I can imagine for sure. And I, I know the three guys that we're going to talk about, you know really well, and I'm, I'm certainly interested to kind of um, understand and learn as much as I can about them. I think the first, the the way I kind of want to order them is the way I think they're going to get drafted. Jalen Green um, out of G League Ignite is, is clearly a very highly sought after prospect just 19 years old, uh, 6'6", really good frame for a guard. Um, in 16 games this past um, this past year, average a little over 18 points per game, four rebounds, a little over two assists, uh, decent shooting numbers for the most part, probably the most explosive athlete um, in this class. Just kind of a general question when starting with him, what makes him so special? What makes Teams really want to say, listen, this guy has the potential to be um, potentially a superstar or at least a number one scorer on a team.
0: I think initially, when you watch Green, you realize how athletic he is. And, you know, athletic can mean different things to different people, whether it's strong, bouncy, mobile. You know, he's just an incredible vertical athlete, Uh, jumping off of one foot, jumping off of two feet. He's extremely explosive around the rim. He's he's fast in the open court um, and he's extremely mobile all over the floor, like he just pops off the floor. Uh, And this year in the G League, you know, he struggled early, I think a lot of those teenagers did in that bubble, but about halfway through, you really saw him improve as a shot creator and shot maker. And that's what really has stood out of like, Okay, now we know he has the athleticism, but he can also play make, he can make plays, he can put pressure on the rim. Um, you know, his movement skills along with some tighter ball handling than maybe we expected and the ability to hit tough shots. I mean, just make him an all-around guy, uh, Makes him a guy that you can probably build a franchise around moving forward. And that's why at this point everybody still expects, and I expect Houston to take him at number two.
1: Okay. Um, and that'll definitely, I think, cover one of the, the questions a little bit later about Green. But um, in terms of that athleticism, because, I, you know, I, I know uh, player comps are, are never a, a great thing, but I, I have seen at least his level of athleticism and specifically his ability to contort his body in the air, finish through contact. I've seen it compared on the level to guys like John Moran and, and even Allen Iverson. Um, do you think he's at that level athletically?
0: You know, I try to, wait to stay away from draft comps. That being said, he gets comped a lot to Zach Levine. And when you watch old Zach Levine tape in UCLA, it actually is really reminiscent. Uh, it's actually, it's, it's kind of strange. I think he looks a lot like freshman year of Zach Levine. So that comp I'm okay with. You know, Levine had some questions about shot making kind of coming into the league and, you know, finishing around the rim if he wasn't soaring over everybody for dunks or alley-oops. And Green actually showed considerably more than that than I think Levine did during his season at UCLA. So that comp, again, I try to stay away, but I do actually really like that one.
1: Yeah. And and you can certainly see that, you know, when you um, watch the tape, I think they both have this kind of like gliding, um, you know, kind of like basically level to their game where they can cover so much ground using, you know, very few steps, but clearly make a huge impact. Um, one thing that I thought was really interested, interesting about Jalen was that um, and I wonder how much he, he kind of learned and benefited from playing with some of the vets on that team, because I know prior to being with uh, G League Ignite, a lot of scouts would say, you know, listen, he's, he's clearly supremely gifted, sometimes can play a little bit out of control, as a lot of young players can. Um, but I know specifically he learned from a lot of guys like Reggie Hearn, um, Bobby Brown, of course, Jared Jack. Um, and I, I think the thing that he he said that he learned the most was that the game slowed down for him a lot. What is the next thing that you think he needs to work on?
0: You know, I completely agree with you. I think playing with Jared Jack was a great thing for him because um, he did rush himself a little bit in high school. You saw it early on in the bubble and it looks like the game slowed down for him uh, as the season went on. Sorry about that. Um, I think his ability to process what he sees as a passer is what will next really unlock his ceiling, because now that we know he can get to the rim when he wants, now that we know he can stop on a dime on pull-ups or shoot off movement pretty much whenever he wants to, it's the processing speed as a decision maker on the move with his live dribble passing. If that can if that can really come um, and become easy for him, at that point I don't know how you stop him. You know, right now like, sometimes they have to come to a stop a complete stop before he makes a pass or, you know, reading, reading really long NBA defenders can give him some trouble, especially when he's downhill. But again, that, that small skill, the processing speed uh, you know, it's not an easy thing to develop, but it'll come as he plays. That's why I think getting him on the floor early will be huge for him. Don't, you know, kind of coddle him and put him on the side and Hey, we'll help you develop. No, get him on the floor. He's a competitor. He's fiery. Let him figure out what he needs to, Uh, And if if he improves as a passer, it's going to be trouble for a lot of people.
1: And, you know, to your point in terms of getting him on the floor, of course, a team picking that early in the draft um, is there for a reason. Uh, And they can certainly, you know, use a player like Jalen Green and and give him a ton of minutes and have him learn on the fly. Um, You mentioned earlier that feeling pretty certain that the Rockets are going to take him at two. And I've seen some mocks kind of flip around, whether it's him or Mobley, um, of course, Jalen Suggs as well. What is what is either the the main factor or is it a combination of just talent and fit that you feel like makes a clear um, decision for, for Houston to take him over, maybe Evan Mobley and Jalen Suggs?
0: Yeah, so Jalen Suggs, I can understand, I think taking green over Suggs, at least on draft day. What well, we know about these two makes a ton of sense. And I'm in complete agreement with that. Mobley is where it gets really interesting. I really like Evan Mobley. Mobley's, again, how many true seven-footers right. can run like a deer, can shoot threes, have great touch, can pass with anticipation, and just completely dominate the rim on both ends. They, I mean, you got them on one hand. And I just feel like that's something that, man, that would be really, really difficult for me to pass up on. I think there is a it's maybe 3 or 5% chance. I think there's a small chance that he goes one to Detroit. Wow. And then Houston would get their choice. Yeah, exactly. Like I I think Detroit, you know, again, if you're a gambler, throw throw the house on Cade going one. Of course. But I do think there is a world where Mobley goes one because he's that enticing. If I'm Houston and I don't take Mobley, it is because either A, you believe that Jalen Green can be an absolute game breaker for 15 years, or you're just totally bought in on Christian Wood being your mobile four or five, and you don't wanna have these two young guys on the same team. You know, I did a rocket show not long ago, and I said, are you guys worried about just having Mobley and Wood? They said, yeah, you know, that's a lot of bigs. I was like, dude, if if some of these teams can play two bigs and a high-low, I mean, you have the two most mobile bigs in basketball. You can figure it out, you know? So, again, you have to entertain it. But Green's upside, I think just – I think Houston's just kind of all in on that athleticism and ability to make plays.
1: The funny thing, too, as you're telling me that, in the back of my mind, I'm also thinking this is a team that within the last season traded away James Harden. That dominant wing scorer can play, make, do it all – and I, it could be from the front office's perspective, our chance to maybe hit a home run and get that wing dominant score That you know, I, I don't want to say 100% of the time, but most of your championship teams are going to have that type of a player. It's it probably is going to be be really difficult to pass on Jalen Green when, given that.
0: And that's why I think Detroit ultimately will take Cade, because even though Mobley is a unicorn, I think in today's NBA, the guy who can play on the ball, you know, all the time is what's valuable. And that's why I think they'll both go ahead and Mobley.
1: Yeah. I think it's probably a good place. I wanted to transition over to uh, uh, one of my favorite guys that I've been um, researching in the draft and that's Moses Moody. One of the things that I really liked, and it's just a little small tidbit when I was researching him, but managed to keep a 3.5 GPA was on a roll at Arkansas. I thought that was super impressive given the demands of being a, a division one athlete and obviously someone who's, Um, Most likely headed to the draft, even before he touched down on on campus. Um, All SEC, all SEC rookie of the year, 19 years old, uh, 6'6", 7'1", wingspan, which is like absolutely ridiculous. Really good shooting numbers. Um, The first place I wanted to start with is uh, oftentimes I feel like players get labeled early on in the draft process. And his is clearly uh, the 3 and D label but sometimes I feel like when you hear that you immediately think role player, right? Uh, Moody is just 19. He won't turn 20, I think until next March. Do you think that he is best suited in that role in the NBA, or do you think he has what it takes to become maybe more of um, an impact player in that way?
0: I think he can become a, uh, an impact player, probably most likely a very high end role guy again. And when I say that, I mean a starter, but, yeah. um, I don't see him as a bench guy. I see him as, you know, good starter upside. I don't know about any kind of star or like a first or second option, probably not even a second option on a team. That being said, I do think he can create for himself a little bit more than he was able to show at Arkansas. Uh, Again, he came into school. I think he was RSCI ranked at a high school in the forties and the national recruiting index um, severely underrated. And I watched the Arkansas red versus white game. Forget when they had that sometime in the fall, and I mean he looked like a lottery pick right then. It was like oh, like this kid has it. He is smooth all the way around, good defender. His arms are so long, seven one wingspan, like you said, at six six. I think he went six five without shoes. Like good size. I do think high end role player is where he ultimately lands, but there's a little more upside than he probably showed, which is why I think he will go top ten.
1: What is what would you say is the swing skill? Or something that he really needs to work on in order to take that next step?
0: Yeah, being able to put it on the floor and then facilitate. You know, he was largely a catch and shooter, um, or you know, a lot like Aaron Neesmith was at Vanderbilt, where he's running off screens, all different kind of actions to get him open and he hits shots like that all the time. But when, you know, a couple seconds left in the shot clock, he has the ball and he has to either run a pick and roll or isolation, it was pretty streaky. You know, sometimes he really couldn't create any kind of space at all. Others, he'd hit you with a jab step and he'd get his guy three feet off of him. And those are the flashes that you buy when you're like, okay, this kid really, I think if you gave him a shot, he could do it. So put it on the floor. And then the threat of that opening up passing lanes, like a lot of his passes, just very simple, come to a stop, simple or swing entry, like just not really much variety to the way he was able to distribute and facilitate to teammates. So that's what I think you need to improve um, as a passer.
1: Uh, In your research on Moody, what are the intangibles like, Um, you know, just in in terms of people that you've talked to, what type of teammate is he? uh, Is he a guy that really gets after the scouting report defensively, work ethic, things like that? What what kind of intel have you gathered in that area? Yeah,
0: my guys at Arkansas, they loved having him there. Um, And again, it's generally what you hear for a big time prospect, but not always. Uh, a lot, sometimes you hear stuff where kids were problems or red flags or tough to coach, you know, the, any, any kind of thing. Um, nothing but positive coming out about Moses. Good kid, like you mentioned, good student. Quiet, but also very confident. Like, he doesn't run his mouth a whole lot based on what I've heard. Um, just comes into the gym, comes into the weight room, gets his work done, does what he needs to do, and move on. Um, While hiring an agent, you know, he and he and his family, um, again, very intellectual and very like they had a great process to the way they did things. It wasn't just rushed or enamored with the bright lights or big names or any stuff. You know, they really system in place as a family, which I thought was really cool as well. So I think he'll be um, I think from a mental standpoint, he'll be great in an NBA locker room and on an NBA bench.
1: Um, Derek, ultimately, I know you mentioned previously that he's, he's a top 10 prospect. Where do you think he gets drafted? And, um, I guess maybe two questions. Ultimately, what do you think is his best fit and what team do you think will, he will get drafted to?
0: Yeah. So five, six, seven, eight, nine, and 10 are just an absolute (laughs) crap shoot right now. They're just a crap shoot. Uh, if I had to pick the one where I, I think there's only one where I'm confident he won't go. Okay. Six to Oklahoma City. Okay, ties there to book night are really strong. Golden State at seven. I think they're going to take either Giddy or Kuminga. Okay, and then at eight, the Orlando Magic. If Kuminga goes seven, I see. I I would think Moody goes eight to Orlando. If Kuminga, uh, if Giddy goes seven, a lot of Golden State Josh Giddy ties. And now uh, Orlando at eight has to decide Kuminga and Moody. That's going to be a tough call. If they go Kuminga, I think Moody then goes 10 to Memphis. Again, if Giddy and Kuminga are both off the board. So there are some ifs. I don't think it's six, nine, a lot of ties to Wagner. Um, So I think Sacramento, you know, most people think they'll go Wagner. Uh, If Giddy goes either seven seven or eight, I think Moody will go 10. But... I think eight to Orlando is kind of that sweet spot. They've got a ton of young guards. Yeah. Got multiple young bigs. You know, if you take either Jalen Suggs or Scotty Barnes at five, you know, whoever's there, I think Moody is a tremendous complement to everything they already have. And let's be honest, Orlando loves length. They <laughs> do. They <laughs> do they love length. So I think a seven-one wingspan, they're like, Yeah, that's our guy.
1: <laughs> I mean, honestly, I-, I would love to just watch uh pick and rolls between whether it's Fultz, Moody, Isaac, when he comes back, like that team could really, really propose a lot of different matchup nightmare problems. Like that, that would be very fun. I got a friend um, who's a, a Knicks fan with me as well, but he's kind of like a secret Magic fan as well too. I, I think that would be a very nice fit for him too. Um, I think, and that, and that kind of brings me to a guy that, um, you know, I'm, I'm really high on. And uh, I know we talked a little bit about before we, we hopped on to record and that's Trey man from Florida. Um, really interesting jump from his freshman to sophomore year in terms of production. I think he also recently had like a two inch growth spurt, which also kind of interests me as well. His offensive game just seems really, really polished to me. The, the crossover crossovers, step-backs, Pull up in the mid range. The floater games is really impressive as well. I think he hit like 46% of his floaters over, over last year. Um, Just really curious. I know a lot of Macs have him um, from anywhere from the early twenties to the early thirties. I know your site has him at 25. Why isn't he higher?
0: Yeah. So I think kind of 21 to 35, I think 35 is like the real low end for him. Um, but I'm, it's hearing, it's sounding less and less like the early 20s is going to be a possibility. There are a lot of questions about how he finishes in the rim or uh, in the paint and at the rim and his body. You know, he did grow I think he's listed 6'5". You know, when we were down there with him in Miami, uh, I think 6'4 is comfortably. So NBA, sure, let's list him 6'5". I'm okay with that. I think at the combine, he measured 6'3", 177 without his shoes. But again, that still was a growth spur from his freshman year. So incredible offensive versatility. Uh, he's mobile. I think his ability to be a secondary creator as well as maybe give you some backup point guard minutes are awesome and I think that's what keeps him in the first for me. I think he's still a first round pick. there's pull-up shooting, the footwork like everything creative and everything that you need to like process quickly he has. I think there's gonna be some issues at the rim. Uh, I think, scoring just outside will be his thing. I don't think there will be much of a threat uh, for him to attack the rim unless he really, really masters his floater, which again, he does have a nice floater. So I don't like totally put that past him, but that's the concern. How can he hold up physically? On the defensive end, just average, which again, for a guy who wants to carry an offensive load, I will take average defender all day, every day, no complaints. But even when we saw him work out, seemed like a great kid. And the footwork and shooting was like, Oh man, this guy can get off any shot. He wants to like, this is awesome. But as soon as he entered the paint against great length, that's where the troubles came.
1: I, I And Derek, there's something that just stands out, you know, and again, I don't know how much um, scouts look at this because I'm, I'm sure it can vary depending on the player, but there, there are just some guys that sometimes they just seem like they have a certain it factor. Um, he seems to have a very, Quiet confidence about him. When you were, I know uh, before we hopped on to record, you were saying that watch him work out a little bit. Does he have that? Does that come out when you're watching him in person?
0: It does. And you know, after you do this long enough, there's a difference between quiet because you're nervous or quiet because it's just your personality, and then a quiet where it's not a it's not an arrogance. It's just quiet. I don't have to come prove myself. Like you'll right. see me on the floor, so I'm I don't have to talk myself up. Right. Not that vibe from man, which again, I liked. Yeah. Uh, Come off. Some players are extremely arrogant when you meet them. And some are so nice or so timid that you think, oh man, like is an NBA locker room just gonna crush you? Like that's a real thing. I mean, there have been processes in the last two or three years where it's like this kid might be too nice. So man is right there in the middle. I really liked it again, just quiet. He he comes in the gym, he knows his job, and that's all he wants to do which I think is a great
1: thing. Same thing in terms of the intangibles that I I asked you about um, Moody, anything that, that you've picked up that really stands out. I I remember I was fortunate enough to speak with um, one of the Baylor assistant head coaches about Davion Mitchell. I got a lot of great anecdotes about just what type of a leader he was, what type of a teammate, anything on that level from, from Trey that, that kind of stands out for you.
0: For Trey, I think the big thing that stood out for me was his willingness to come in and really shoulder the load at Florida. You know, sometimes that's a big step, especially guys who maybe thought they were going to be a one and done. I believe he was a top 25 recruit. So one and done is almost the expected anticipation at that level to not do that, come back and be willing to shoulder a load on a good team that um, that really needed him to step up, I think said a lot.
1: Okay. Absolutely, um, and a couple of more before we wrap wrap up. Of course, I, I got to try and ask you a couple of Knicks questions as a Knicks fan, of course. And uh, did watch that appearance you had a Knicks fan TV, so I'm I'm, I'm not going to um, you know double these questions up. But I did want to talk to you just a little bit about Sharif Cooper because he's some somebody that I know Knicks Twitter as a whole is really high on. For me, I don't know. i I've, I've been I've been trying to get people to convince me to get into him i'm really scared um and i'm not a shock doctor by any means at all but i'm really scared about the form um you know where he kind of starts at the waist with the the gathering buildup the lean back or the lean left whatever you want to call it um i just think that there's so much work that would have to be put into him just becoming league average 35 percent it worries me um you know what? Do you, what do you think about him overall? Do you share that same fear? Um, and then defensively, I, I also th- saw you talk about him as well, and um, that was what I gathered from anybody, any podcast I listened to. They said, you know, he offers almost no resistance. You know, at at the point of attack, and and even the comparison that they made with with Trey Young, I know that some people said at least Trey Young wasn't trying necessarily in some some of those instances. So you could say. Well, you just get him motivated enough, he'll be locked in, he'll be good. But but it seems like Sharif's motor is actually decent on that end, but he just really struggles with going through the defensive rotations and whatnot.
0: Yeah, so that's where his effort has almost hurt him from an evaluation point on defense. You know, a guy like Cam Thomas this year is he doesn't care on he doesn't care on defense. There's no effort. Um, you know, he's 6'4", 200 pounds. So the tools are there, he just doesn't care. You have to get him to lock in. Where Cooper it was He appears very locked in. He wants to be a pest on the ball. He's willing to fight for his space, but it just doesn't matter. It's like he's not there. Right. I I mean that in like the nicest way. He does everything he can. It is not an effort thing with Sharif, at least in my opinion at all. It's just that he offers little to no pushback as a defender. I think he's going to be a switch nightmare. I think he's going to get picked on all the time. And if you're going to be that poor of a defender – you better be able to hit 35 footers on the regular, which is why Trey Young is Trey Young and he'll forever get to do what he wants. Right. Till Sharif, again, a guy, at, um, he's listed 6'1". I don't buy it. Um, been told, guys inside the program, it was closer to 5'11 half probably, if you took his shoes off. Again, at that size, I think you need to be an absolutely elite athlete or be able to shoot the absolute lights out. Right. Uh, Three feet. What is special about him is a lot of the guys we've seen at his height come out the last even like the last ten years, he's far and away the best passer. He sees the floor
1: better than all of them, and is absolutely and better than Giddy as well.
0: At least the guys that like are really short. Oh, what are you you
1: gonna do? Yeah, yep, yep. You know
0: what are you going to do at your size that that carries into the NBA? You look at his passing; you say that's going to be just fine. And even when he was playing against long opponents or like big rosters, he was fine. Outside, inside, transition, half court, doesn't matter. He got what he wanted to. And that's where I think there's still a role for him. I think he finds a place on a floor. Um, I think he can become a starter. But I do think unless he gets that shot figured out, unless he stops that lean back, um, I do think there's a pretty a pretty low ceiling just as far as a scoring upside. And maybe you become a team, uh, the kind of point guard who all you can do is facilitate. And if teams want to build around you, that's okay. And there's a team out there in the first round that sees that. I'm totally cool with it. But based on what we're hearing, I think that 20 to 20 to 35 is probably his range. Uh, I think probably 25 to 30 is where he likely ends up. But there is a little bit of talk of him slipping right now. Like I think, I think it would be more likely for the Knicks now to take him at 32 wow. than at 19.
1: That would be a pretty big slip for him, for sure. Um, one thing I was also thinking about with Sharif, I know that a lot of people I've kind of had conversations with him about that are maybe a little bit more analytically inclined will say, well, listen, we know the shot doesn't look good, but the three-point attempts was pretty good and he hit 80 or 82% of his free throws. Is that something that that you buy into? Um, because a lot, a lot of people say, okay, three-point attempts and free throw percentage, those are good indicators of future three-point NBA shooting. Um, is that something that with him you would say, okay, well, listen, we can buy into that, or is the form just a little um, maybe too wonky right now, and, and there's and there's just got to be a lot of kind of reconstruction with that?
0: Even with strange mechanics and shooting questions right now, you know, as kids come out of school, I think you can teach them how to. You can improve them as a shooter. Like if there is something, some development guys I've talked to, they think shooting is one of the easier things to fix. So if that's the biggest question mark. Uh, like, I mean, I think it's easier to teach a player to to shoot than it is to teach somebody to see the floor like Sharif Cooper. Okay. I mean, you can't you can't teach a little bit of what sure like Sharif's vision, you know. So um, I do think the shooting again, even when the mechanics are funky, I think it's workable. Uh, over at Sports Info Solutions, where I do a lot of work, we're trying to calculate right now what translates as a shooter better. So I can't dive too much into what is more predictive because of a lot of our stuff there. But I do, it is widely thought of as three point percentage free throw percentage. I lean more the camp of three point volume free throw percentage. Um, I started looking at volume a couple of years ago, a little bit more than I thought. One of the reasons that I loved Isaiah Joe out of Arkansas because Joe was like, Yeah, 10 threes a game. I'll take them. Yeah. <laughs> Just, it doesn't matter where he's. I'll take them. And I loved that. And then he was who I haven't looked at his free throw numbers in I, a while. I want to say high 80s, mid eighties, maybe.
1: I forget what it was like uh last year, but but what was the percentage? Didn't he hit like 60% of like 203 like over over the years that he was there? I forget what it was, but it was like some some crazy number or maybe yeah Isaiah, I,
0: Isaiah I yeah, Isaiah Joe, in his college career, in his freshman year, he hit 113 of 273 attempts, eight a game, and in his sophomore season, he hit 94 of 275 attempts, 10.6 a game, 89% from the free throw line. Wow. Well, I still love Isaiah Joe. I think you should get a chance to play.
1: Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah.
0: The, I, I will. Volume and free throw percentage, I do like a lot.
1: Uh, most definitely. Um Derek, I think uh, last one from me, uh, just a general um, draft question. Who is a first round and second round sleeper that you think will surprise teams? I think, ooh,
0: man, I think in the first round you're starting to hear a little bit more of it. I think Josh Primo has a chance to go first round, be really, okay. really good. freshman from Alabama. Uh, from Canada, came in, played very streaky. I think he only averaged eight points, four rebounds, and one assist a game. That being said, one of the youngest players in the country. I think with Rocco Perkic pulling out, I believe I believe Primo is the one of the youngest players in the draft still. Again, very, very young. Um, but he's, he's 6'5", 6'9", wingspan, and versatile. Can handle the ball, can get to the rim, can hit his threes, can play defense. A great frame at his age. I would consider him kind of a sleeper. Maybe not that he'll be so much better than where he's picked, but I think he's a sleeper to be selected in the first round now. And you're starting to hear that a lot, which I think is really good. Um, Second round sleeper. I think. I think Nemeas Kata from Utah state is being slept on a lot. I really like him. Yeah. He handles double teams so well. I mean, every time he got the ball this season, boom, hard double. And. He actually really improved as a passer. Passing out of the block, uh, averaged almost three assists a game, averaged a double-double at 15 and 10, three and a half blocks a game. Again, battled a lot of knee injuries, and I do think that's going to be an issue with him in his career. I don't necessarily see him as a long-career guy. But if it comes pick 40, 45, and you need a serviceable backup big, who can get up and down the floor, has good feet in a low post, and can absolutely protect the rim as well as anybody, I think Cade is a guy worth taking.
1: I will definitely be keeping a lookout for both of those names. Um, Derek, listen, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I feel like we went through a lot um, I'm, as a Knicks fan. I'm always looking forward to draft night, especially with a good season uh, that we just had. I'm, I'm looking to see how we will improve for sure. Uh, before I let you go, if you could just let anyone listening, know where they can find your work, um, where they can find you on Twitter. And if there's anything that you're working on now that you want to promote, uh, please do so.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So my Twitter is DMurrayNBA, Um, you can find me there. You can also find Matt Babcock, our lead NBA draft analyst at MattBabcock11. If you're going to follow one of us, just follow him. He's better than me. Um, But we're doing a live draft show actually on the basketballnews.com YouTube page, streaming live on the website as well, where we will provide insight on all of our on all the picks that are made, as well as we can finally spill some of our thoughts, some of the intel, some of the reasons behind some of the picks. And stuff like that so you can find that at basketballnews.com um, then you can find both of us on twitter as well that's awesome
1: um well definitely anyone listening please be sure to give derek and matt both a follow um, be sure to check out all their great work at basketball news we hope everybody is staying safe and we will talk to you guys soon